I went down to the river to watch the fish swim by. But I got to the river so lonesome I wanted to die. Oh, Lord. And then I jumped in the river, but the doggone river was dry. She's long gone and now I'm lonesome blue. Hello and welcome to Long Gone, the podcast. Uh, this will be the third in a special um, series of podcasts that I've um, been doing for the Sim Sports Gaming out of the park baseball league that I've had the privilege to join uh, here just uh, this season in the past couple months. And um, kind of been using the podcast here that I've had for a couple years to focus some episodes on the league. We've had the chance to uh, look at the West, both in the national league and American league. And uh, today's uh, focus will be on the American league East. And, um, certainly privileged to have a a good representation from uh, the league uh, from that division with me today. We have uh, Tom from the Yankees is with us. We have Paul and Craig, Paul being uh, the Red Sox and Craig for the Orioles. Um, So guys, uh, thank you for taking the time to join me today and uh, we'll get into it here in a moment, but just wanted to say hi and thank you for coming on. No problem. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for having us. Sure. So this is a bit of a, uh, I guess, a little bit of um, an interesting episode in terms of uh, the international nature of it. We have two of our uh, league members from the UK here. Uh, I'm. I think I've mentioned in the podcast before. I live and work in Morocco, even though I'm originally from the states and live there for a large portion of my life. And, um, but then we've got uh, Tom back there on the East coast, uh, in the afternoon yet over here, we're, uh, hitting the, the early or mid evening. So kind of an international flair to the podcast today. Um, I wanted to, um, in the last couple of episodes, uh, we, um, shared some of the things that are special to us about the league, uh, or, um, the game in particular itself. And I wanted to give um, our guests today a chance to address that. Although I also threw a different question at them, which you, they may share, which would be kind of just um, to share like a highlight or a low light from their time in the league. I, I know that for me, you know, you do experience some kind of uh joy or pain that goes along with some of the goings on and things that happen with your team. Um, and, and so I thought it might be interesting for, to hear uh, if there was any particular highlight or low light that has occurred with you uh, on, in your team over the time that you've uh, been a, been a general manager that, that you might want to share. So uh, we're going to kind of just kick that around first and um, uh, either general impressions of the game uh, or the league, or if you would like to share something along those lines, uh, maybe Craig, uh, maybe I'll start with you on that one and, uh, we'll, we'll kick it around to the other guys. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've been playing, um, OOTP 
and that's a stream for about a year now. I've never played the game before I jumped in. Um, with SSG. So this season is actually my first ever full season okay. of, of play. Enjoying it immensely. I think in your last um, podcast, uh, the guys were saying that the the day to day sim is a real winner for them, and I, I find that. So I played, you know, I play with um, the guys in the you know the front office football league. But obviously, that's a weekly turnaround. Uh-huh. And back in the day, a long, long time ago, um, the likes of Paul and I used to play. Uh, do play by mail games or play by snail mail, um, where you'd have to, you know, things coming through an envelope through your letterbox, and uh, you know, every week you'd be turning them around. So, the, the day to day of OOTP, I'm enjoying a lot. Um, something to look forward to here in the UK. We're looking at around about this time of day when the sim is done, so it's good to finish work. I finish work at 5 30, and then you've got the sim to look forward to, yeah. Um, as far as my time with the Orioles is concerned and my sort of highlights and lowlights, my highlight, I think, is the one victory that I've got against the Boston Red Sox. I sit there with a one and eight record. You can probably hear Paul chuckling in the background about that because that's obviously his team. Um, so, yeah, they've beaten me eight times this season. I came close on probably more than one occasion, but normally they... Uh, they do the business on me. So that one win is is close to my heart. Um, I also struggle against the Blue Jays. I've just, in the, I've just finished a series with them and beat them 2-1, and one, which was amazing. And the, the one I lost went into extra innings as well. But I'm 4-12. and 12. I'm just looking at the records now as we as we talk. So I'm 4-12 and 12 against them. So altogether, that's a 5-20 and 20 record. And if you're going to do any good in the AL East, you've got to do better than 5-20 and 20 against those two teams. Um, yeah. So hopefully, before too much longer, we've got a series coming up against Boston. I can increase on that single lone win. Um, maybe Paul will go, uh, go easy on me for a change. I yeah. don't know. <laughs> I am struggling with um, my pitching staff because uh, Zach Greinke, um, he missed out on going to the All-Star game. He would have been top all-star but he got injured just before so he's out for the season and when that happened um it's, oh no you know your best player's gone and then to compound it our top prospect has also gone down for about five weeks Zane Cochran and we've also lost another starter Hunter Harvey who was doing really quite well um so the pitching staff has has been decimated yeah. and I think we can see that in the numbers as well so that's that's the most disappointing thing for me because just as I was keeping my head above 500, was getting close to the wild card positions. Um, I'm now going to use the excuse that my pitching staff has gone to pot for yeah. a while. Probably, you know, I think I'm I think I'm out of the race now. I've got a tough August and I don't think I'm going to get back into it. So yeah. that's going to be my excuse. So that's my high and low lights for, for this season so far. Well, I tell you to lose. Um... To lose Grinky like that, that that would definitely qualify as a tough break and tell a low light uh, for any for any organization to have an all star pitcher go down when you're trying to hang in there. Um, uh, right. Paul, maybe the uh, same same thing to you. And um, yeah, I remember that one nothing loss to the Orioles because that was the next innings. I think it's the only loss we've had this year in extra innings as well. So that's been quite good this year and. Um, Going back and back and back, um, I was a regional member, um, and we made the World Series in the first season. And 
face the Dodgers. And after game three, we were three knocking down. We were three zip. We were out of it. Um, but then we drew back to three three. And after game six, we had a, a game seven decider. We then lost that one. Wow. So I'd say that's my low light. Always. I mean, uh, I would have liked to have emulated the 2004 Red Sox in the ALCS and yeah. come from three knocking down to a winning four three. And um, it's the Dodgers got me in the last game, the game seven in 2015, mm. 16. I can't remember which one it is now. I think it's a huge split. So, um, highlight now is I think the way we're playing, there's a, a couple of seasons after that, we were sort of middle of the pack, um, trying to sort our roster out, getting rid of a lot of high earners who weren't performing, etc. We had the likes of Sandoval and uh, Rick Pacello. Earning 21 million and things like that, and then got rid of all that dead wood. And uh, last season wasn't expecting a wild card, but made the wild card and lost to, to Damon in Seattle. Um, uh-huh. It's targeting a wild card this year, but obviously I'm playing a big expecting and um, sort of caught the Blue Jays at the moment with there because they're in a bit of a, a rut at the minute, and, uh, and my good form is has took me to the, well, John top of the league now, so that's plays with it at the moment. Cool. Yeah, well, that must have been quite a ride to to be down 3-0, come all the way back 3-3, man. That's, it's ex- yeah. exhilarating, but then also yeah, <laughs> to not finish the job must have been tough. Yeah, um, that's the nearest I've been to the seats. So, it's, yeah. yeah, it's... Uh, Cool. Tom, how about you, buddy, uh, with the Yankees? How are things going for you? So uh, I was worried that Paul was going to mention 2004, and it didn't take him too long. Um, so I commend him. I commend him, first of all, for mentioning 2004 very early on. I knew it was ha- going to happen at some point, but going back to OOTP and SSG, I would say the high point uh, undoubtedly as a Yankee fan in real life would be ultimately getting the Yankees uh, just by chance. And um Paul was the uh, he was uh, one of the commissioners at the time, and uh, you know upon receiving that email, I would you know at first I really couldn't believe it, and then you know second of all I was like oh wow you know like this coming into a, just a random OOTP league and I get the Yankees it's kind of an exciting thing. But yeah. as far as in game goes, I would say uh, you know there's not been much uh, in game to kind of uh, be excited about because we've had two losing seasons uh, in my tenure, but. Um, I would say definitely the high point is getting those high picks and uh, seeing guys like Ron Lowe, Rod Vanderzee, Israel Avila, um, and now Steve Wilson, who we just drafted. It's seeing those guys develop and getting the chance to draft those guys because those are once-in-a-lifetime guys, and I think they have the potential to be bona fide starters and potentially take our team to a World Series. So I would say definitely the the high points would be drafting those guys. And as far as the low points go, well, if you look at my year uh, records for the past two years, you'll see you'll see those low points. So that's that's, that's it for me. Yeah. Well, um, it's funny you, you mentioned um, something hit a nerve with me when you mentioned like seeing some of those draftable drafted guys that are now coming up. But that's something Mike. Low talked about in the last uh, podcast where the league, uh, the SSG league in general, is starting to see, you know, now in its, I guess, fifth, fourth or fifth year 
uh, starting to see a lot of those guys who had been drafted making impacts. And I, I think that is definitely cool, and that's part of part of the enjoyment, right, is to see guys that you've drafted and come up through the system and then and then all of a sudden make it all the way up to the big club and start to have an impact. That's certainly a really rewarding part of the experience, I, w- I, I would think. I mean, and uh, so that's – um, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, Ryan, I mean, my – if I, I'm just looking at my pitching uh, roster at the moment – and there's three guys on there that I basically drafted. Um, there was the Donny Reed guy. He, he was picked first by the Red Sox in 2016, 21st overall. He's starting now. Um, Al Wills was picked seven, 15th overall in 17. Uh-huh. Um, he's starting now. And, and uh, reliever Munoz was picked second pick by his 41st overall in 18. So I'm starting to see people coming through. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's a long, drawn-out, well, it's not drawn-out, but it's a long process, especially when you're playing a day-to-day sim. Um, you've got to be patient. Um, I would add, Tom got a really poor hand um, when he's picked up the Yankees the way they were, um, and how they've been managed previously. Um, you know, he hasn't... He's, he's been dealing from the bottom of the pack, so to speak, right from the start with that, and he's starting to get them pulled round, and he's drafting, and he's, he's going to see the... The fruits of that in a couple of years, but it, it will be a couple of years. I mean, yeah. That's, that's that's the yeah. That's I was gonna to that point. I would say it's it's that this one of those the nature of that league is just be patient, and that's what Paul said. It's just like that's what I keep you know that's what I learned in the short time that I've been here, and it's it's kind of you know it's reaping its rewards now, and, and seeing hopefully in the next couple of years we'll you, yeah I will see the fruits of my labor, and but yeah it is it is a game it's a it is a waiting game right now for sure. You'll see what I'm, I'm starting to see the back end of the fruits, so to speak, because of what I did early on with just drafting and not signing free agents, etc. I just went, I just went, I'll develop through the draft, develop through the draft. Yeah. These players are starting to come through, and there's still more in the pipeline. Well, in the, the patience aspect is something we talked about on a previous episode as well, and I, and then of course, uh, it makes a lot of sense, even in the in real baseball, to to rely on that as a linchpin of your of your organization rather than um, spending money wildly on free agents. But I do I wonder how um, you know what what do you do when you have sort of the, that expensive player, that free agent, or it doesn't even have to be a free agent, but let's just say a guy who's making a, a lot of money but just isn't producing. Like when when is the the right time to, to, to kind of, you know, let somebody else come up and, and see what they can do. Or, you know, that's, I don't, this isn't a National League West podcast, but that's just something I'm dealing with where I have some, some 32, 33 year old veterans who are making money, but just aren't doing anything. So it's like, well, do I be patient with them? And these guys are guys who've already established their careers. Have you guys, um, you know, had to deal with any of that through your time in the league, and how have you how have you traversed that? I think I if, I think I'm probably in a similar situation because I feel quite hamstrung financially because we're in the red, um, uh, so you're limited to what you can do. And yeah. um, one of the things I do quite enjoy is keeping an eye on the waiver wire and trying to see who I might be able to nab cheaply. Yeah. And despite the fact that the finances are not where I want them to be because there are some expensive players on the roster. 
it is a very different roster now to the one I took over. So, you know, I've put my stamp on it without being able to um, to do it by spending money. Now, the thing is that some of the players that are my guys are perhaps not that good, you know, but you, you sort of keep throwing the dice to see if you can hit one that's, that's going to come good for you. And the jury is still out on some of them. Their numbers aren't particularly great, but we'll see how it goes for the rest of the season. But then, like you, I've got guys who are earning a lot of money um, or being paid a lot of money. I'm not sure sometimes if they are earning yet. Um, and it is the, the thing, because I was pushing for a wild card, it's right, well, you know, we need to keep these guys going and see what we can do this year. Then when things start to fall away, um, you know, you try and get people to come in to take those salaries off you. And, I mean, I've had no joy at all trying to, trying to offload. And some of these older players that I've got are, you know, they're decent players. Mm. Um, they're, they're probably performing some of my you know, better performers. Um, but I'm getting no real interest in anybody wanting to take those big salaries off me. Yeah. And of course, you're, you're a little bit stuck with it. Um, I can see a little bit of a, a light at the end of the tunnel with um, some of the contracts less, uh, next year with team options and things like that, where mm-hmm. you know at least I can see myself getting back into the black. Yeah. But again, this is where you know you've got to play it for the for the long game. I think when I first started, I wanted to, almost for the sake of it, make some free agent signings, even though they could only be cheap ones, and um, simply to sort of do something because I was in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but you quickly learn that, you know, often that's not, not the way to go, or at least it isn't when yeah. you haven't got a lot of cash. Um, so, yeah, I mean, anybody listening to this podcast, I know the trade deadline's gone now, but no doubt we'll be in the same position next year that we are now. So, please come along and uh, take the expensive guys off me. I'll keep playing them and hope they can get some decent numbers and come and take them away. That would be very nice, thank you. So, I can really make it my team rather than, you know, just taking over what, what went before. Yeah. So, any, anything that's wrong with the Orioles, it's the previous management. It's not my fault. It's the previous management. So, you know... <laughs> Um, that might be a good transition because I did want to pivot to the, the trade deadline um, and just any kind of leftover thoughts that, that anyone might have on that. I think you you touched upon something I experienced where you know there were some guys that who could definitely help teams uh, who I was trying to offload, but, but just a, what I kept running into a lot was other teams that just didn't quite have the, the payroll flexibility. And overall, now this is my first year in the league, so you guys would have a better perspective. I, I've, I guess I was kind of expecting a little bit more fireworks at the at the deadline. I just I expected to kind of be hearing more and seeing more trades, and there there were a, a decent amount, although uh, a fairly large uh, amount of those seemed to be minor league deals. Uh, was it a little bit quieter this year, as far as what you remember, or was or was it just a different kind of deadline, or what? Um, any any thoughts on the the trade deadline? And I guess it, anyone can jump in and take that one. Yeah, I mean, I for me, I know that uh, it's only been I'm only been in this league for two years, but right away I was able to tell that having thirty real GMs in a league makes a league a lot harder because if you are playing say, your typical franchise mode game like out-of-the-park baseball or uh, MLB The Show, 
you're one player against 30 CPUs. So it's a lot easier to swindle those deals that you may, you, you can get away with versus a computer, but you will not get away with versus 30 other real people. So I learned that it's, it's very hard to try to, you know, it's very hard to get really what you want. I mean, the, the, a lot of the GMs are staunch on who they want to keep and who they want to get rid of. And it, it in a way, it, it makes it difficult, but it also adds a sense of realism to the game. Um, but as far as my, you know, my activity on the trade deadline goes, uh, we were looking for controllable bats and we couldn't find much that were good enough for the prices that we we were, you know, we intended to give out. We didn't want to give too much of our system away, but we, you know, we also wanted to have some security for next year in terms of making, you know, making sure our offense can can put up with those with those aces like the Garrett Coles and whatnot. So um, I would say going forward, we're still looking for bats, but you know, we couldn't find much this off, the, this trade deadline. Yeah, I think Ball I think the, the yeah, I think the activity was about the same. Okay. I think um, on previous years, uh, just off the top of your head, I think the level of trade might have been slightly higher when you see the likes of Hernandez moving from Arizona to Washington. Um, mm-hmm. I don't really remember having those kind of big blockbuster trades in the previous years where you know um, one of those caliber of players saying that Hernandez is the best catcher or more or less the best catcher in the league. Um, that kind of level of trade, you get what I mean, where the, yeah. where the return was you know, quite a lot of prospects from Washington and Washington getting um, Anandes for that. Um, so, but, um, I'm, I mean, on my side of it, I got my business sort of done early where we got Flores from the White Sox um, and just seen today that he signed the extension that we wanted uh-huh. to sign uh, him to. So, um that was a sort of a little bit of a gamble. He could have ended up as a rental, but um, and he wouldn't talk to me for two or three weeks about extension. And then he decided, yeah, we'll have a talk. And then I got him down from seven-year deal to a four-year deal. So that's quite happy with that. Um, and the other thing was, uh, going, just going back to the draft slightly, um, my strategy when I was drafting early on was just to draft arms. So, again, you can see the likes of the, the people I've got coming through are predominantly pitching prospects. Um, and I wanted to try and package a couple of p- pitching prospects to get a, a better batting prospect in. Um, but that didn't happen. Um, yeah. I was just trying to basically do a, a couple of swaps just to even out the, the strength of the farm system. Um, okay. But, yeah, it's, yeah. Great. Craig, anything to add on that? Um, yeah, I mean, because I, I was around uh, probably at the trade deadline last year, but it was very new, um, so I didn't. I, mean, I, I think I did do some trades, but it was in that initial sort of flurry of, oh, I'm here now, let's do something. So I yeah. can't really, you know, recall too much uh, from yeah. last year. Yeah. Um, so you know, it's all still pretty new. As I say, this is pretty much my my 12 month anniversary. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, so not a great deal to add, really. I thought that um, before getting a little bit more into the American League East and your teams, of course, we also want to give a little bit of time to the teams that aren't represented uh, with the podcast today. But um, we had uh, yesterday, um, or perhaps it was, I think it was yesterday, um, 
Mike Lowe put into the uh, Focus Topic channel on Discord, just the the kind of the news that there's a six-person uh, board of directors that's been established. And with that, um, he kind of queried the league about any new rules or any new um, things that, that individuals would like to be considered. And I thought, you know, maybe we could take a, a moment to consider some of these. Now, the stuff that was, if I could summarize briefly the things that were mentioned in the Discord chat, there was some talk about expansion, seemed to be some support for expansion, um, as well as an expanded playoff. Um, also some sentiment towards making the wild card a three-game series rather than just a one-game do-or-die. Um, uh, a mention of being able to trade players who were injured for less than seven days. Um and let's see, I think just kind of scrolling through, that's that's um, a lot of it. There was also some talk just about like organizations contributing to the league in different ways and trying to find ways to uh, engage with the league. Um, so, of course, we don't have to stick to just those. If, if I, any of you have uh, another thought that isn't, part of what I just mentioned or any thoughts on the topics I did mention. And I thought we could kick that around for a moment. So maybe Craig, we'll come back to you and uh, put you on the spot first for that one. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I was going to make a, a posting onto that, uh, onto Discord for that. And I will. Um, so I had a little bit of a thought, um, not really in the area of the, the items that you've mentioned there. Mm-hmm. And I mean, just on those, um, I, mean, I like things to, to contradict myself in a moment actually but I, I sort of like things to match real life um so you know if there's a single game wild card in the mlb i have no problem with it being a single game wild card in ootp mm. for instance um saying that um we have the marlins moving to vancouver don't we soon and i put in a proposal for Baltimore moving. So on one hand, I'm saying I like it to match real life, and then straight away I'm saying now I want to move the the Orioles. Uh, I have a little bit of a problem the fact that I'm at Baltimore because I'm a Cleveland Browns fan. So the old Cleveland and Baltimore thing, for obvious reasons, doesn't rub too well with me. So I actually put a proposal in for um, jumping ship and taking the Marlins to Louisville of all places, which is quite sure how I picked Louisville, but it seemed like a a, a good choice then um, so yeah I, I, and that in itself that side of things um is, is quite interesting quite fresh just to see uh, new bits like that but the, the thing i was thinking of is when we obviously baseball we have 30 teams and there's only a third of them that see the playoffs in any form mm-hmm. it's a league that we've just said you need to be in it for the long term there's no quick fixes um, you need to be there for the long haul. And what I was wondering about is whether we could have something like an awards system, um, but a system where you can compare your results against yourself. It can get to the point of a season where, so if we look in the American League now, um, the five teams, the top five teams, look very much like they're going to be the five teams in the playoffs. 
And incidentally, it's horrible having the sixth best record in, in any in any league. I can tell you that. Um, and it's all too easy, perhaps, for the season to peter out a little bit when you're out of the playoff race. So what I was thinking was something along the lines of if we had, if we recorded, you know, how well we did and had some sort of award system. So you could have awards that are based on, you know, the, the top three run scoring teams, mm. gold, silver, bronze, the, the, the top three teams with strikeouts. You can do it pretty for pretty much for any statistic you care to mention. Right. But then also on a team-by-team team basis. So if this year I score X amount of runs, then next year, if I get 5% more, you get a little award to recognise that and to give you something to focus on if you are sitting there with a 40 and 50 record or whatever it is and there's not much chance of anything particularly exciting happening so that you're playing against yourself as well to a focus back to what you did last year. And we all do this anyway, but just something to, if you like, recognize that. Um, and I was going to put a posting on and just didn't get around to it um, along those lines, because I think it, I, I would be happy to oversee something like that, maybe set up a little website that we can use and you can log on and, and look. And, and really it would be a case of fleshing out, because as I say, you could, you could go to extremes with it and, you know, any single statistic you can say oh look i only had seven balls last year and now this year i've got six the team's going somewhere obviously that's a silly example um but yeah. uh yeah I, I was thinking about something like that and you could sort of as i say compare against yourself have have awards for teams that are you know the top three that are doing it but you, you're going to have the best teams again represented there which is why i think this team on team uh, sort of back reference would be a nice thing. So I might post that to the thing, see what guys think, okay. and you know, set something up and see if it's uh, see if it's got any legs, see if it's uh, of any any interest to anyone. I sort of do that with with my own stuff in 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 the stuff that I've got behind the games. I'm spreadsheet mad. I've got spreadsheets coming out of my ear holes with, <laughs> with games like this, um, so I can sort of see at a glance, you know back references to the previous times and I find it useful which has sort of been the trigger for me thinking about this um when I saw Mike's post so mm -hmm. so yeah I might I might send something onto discord about that okay. that's my thoughts that sounds pretty interesting to me yeah I mean I think anything that kind of would recognize um those different achievements and give people more to look at more to aspire to and if it helps for teams that are you know, mired in the non-playoff uh, situation. I yeah, it sounds pretty good to me. Um, Tom, anything? Uh, then we'll we'll go Tom and then Paul for anything on the same uh, question. So yeah, I um, I'm I, I would describe myself generally as a as someone who's open to change um, with respect to baseball, and I am not in that. Same vein, I'm also not, I'm not a purist, so I'm not saying, oh, DH, uh, no universal DH. I'm actually for a universal DH, these little rule changes where it speeds up the game marginally, um, but doesn't 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 really change the game all too much. I mean, there's there's adjustments that teams have to make, but it's not like it's changing the teams entirely in the National League. So 
I would say the little rule changes like a universal DH, uh, maybe if you can implement it a runner on second, maybe, you know, that's not really uh, as important of a, of a feature, but um, those are little in-game rules that I would change. Also, uh, with respect to the league itself, I think an expansion would be a wonderful idea um, because I would love to see new teams in this league and, and, and also fresh blood. Not that the 30 guys in this league aren't already great, but um, we have a, 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 a long waiting list and some of those guys I think could potentially really contribute to what we're doing here in, in terms of creating media for the league. So I think there's a lot of opportunities in an expansion um, I would also say that along the same vein, I would I would like to see maybe a few teams like Craig is, in, is interested in relocating. Why not give them a chance? I mean, Baltimore in another location like Louisville could seem fun, or you know, maybe create make this league our own in a way um, without ruining the, the 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 name of the game of baseball. So those are those are probably the main things that I would I would say for sure. Yeah, uh, Paul. Yeah, I think we hark back to it becoming more fictional. Um, so in, say, three years, we're going to see that, for argument's sake, the likes of Trout or Bogart or, you know, people like that or, uh, you know, the older plus 30s are starting to gonna, they're gonna be sort of retiring. Um, yeah, the expansion, yeah, it's it comes back to that we get the right people in um, because... They could just flame out. I was, again, uh, Tom mentioned it. I was commissioner for for five years or four years, um, and I saw that many people come in who couldn't take to the game or stood a format, as in a day to day sim, and they wanted to trade all the players away and uh, do this and do that straight away, and they didn't have the patience. And really, that's why Tom's in the position he's in with the Yankees, um, and it would mean division. Realignment, would we go to four divisions of four in each conference? Um, but yeah, um, expansion's good, yeah. Um, and again, you, you make it your own, but we are becoming our own league anyway with the fictional players coming through. Mm. Um, in three years, somebody joining the league will not recognise half the names or more than half the names because it would be fictional players. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think the... We, we don't need to go too far down uh, the rabbit hole, I guess. I could probably get a whole new conversation. But, I, yeah, I think uh, expansion on, on the surface is uh, a good thing, but then it does raise a lot of other questions with realignment possibilities and and kind of how you have to balance that all. Yeah, You've got an expansion draft as well, um, or how are you going to play that? You're going to have to protect certain players. Yeah. Right. Uh, you know, it's, there's going to be some – hard decisions in that because if players don't want to give up their players at draft time, they're not going right. to... Right. Uh, we're going to have to say, for argument's sake, protect, I don't know, 20 out of the 25 on their active roster and they're going to have to lose five players. Um, how will people feel about that? Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, um, Mike will make the decision and uh, decide if he wants to do that. Yeah. Maybe that's, a, that's another... Uh podcast in itself just to, to talk about the possibilities surrounding that um i think at this point we're gonna kind of uh, pivot again and just start to look a little bit um at the the division and of course uh three of those teams are represented here uh today in the podcast and um just kind of look at some of the 
key players on these teams and maybe for the, especially for the individuals here with us to talk about, um, you know, what their outlook is both for the remainder of this year. And then of course, into uh, the future, um, Tom, if you don't mind, maybe we'll work from the bottom up and, uh, we'll start with the, the Yankees who, um, you know, certainly as you already talked about, um, uh, are, are struggling when, when I look, um, when I look at do a quick kind of just a quick little uh, look at your roster, it certainly seems like uh, the pitching staff is, you know, kind of you you've um, you don't necessarily have a lot of guys that you can rely on to give you uh, quality work day in and day out. Uh, and then, um, of course, with your lineup, uh, certainly some some good names, but. Uh, even a lot of the guys who are uh, producing some power numbers um, aren't necessarily hitting for a, a very good average. A guy like your catcher, Hugh Brooks, who's your top, one of your top war guys is still only hitting 199, even though he does have 18 homers. Uh, so, you know, um, you can definitely just take us a little bit through what your thinking is, but I would, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to ask you to give away any, any secrets you have, but, Maybe also touch upon like what what kind of plans you have uh, looking forward into the next year. So yeah, I mean, like you said, there's not much this season to talk about other than the uh, debut of my undoubtedly my top prospect, uh, uh, Ron Lowe, and I was very excited to see how he would you know how he would play in the first couple of games. I, I didn't have that many high expectations. I didn't expect him to come out of the gate firing, although that would have been very nice to see for development purposes, but um, I'm seeing what I, I'm seeing what I expect. I'm seeing normally what you know there should be expected out of a guy that um, you know his first games in the big leagues. So with that, um, I'm looking forward to seeing how he develops. But other than that, I would say yeah, there's not a lot of um, guys that I can go to that can go five or six or maybe even seven innings at a point like um, you know some of these guys have. Uh, and it's it's been sort of it's been sort of not the biggest glaring problem on my team, but something that if it's if the if that problem is solved, then I think that makes my team that much better. On the side, of, on on the offensive side, I would say though, there's not much to talk about at all, um, and it's not really my doing. Like Craig said, it's I've only inherited this team for about two years, so uh, I can't really be the one to blame. But that's not to say that I shouldn't be responsible for fixing it. Um, and what we did was to acquire um, Hugh Brooks. Uh, Hugh Brooks was a good uh, pickup. I like the way I like his bat, and I believe he is a 25 to 30 home run hitter. Um, and I think he will be that for us in a couple of years. Um, as far as the other guys go, I would say Israel Avila protect, projects to be that same guy. I think he is more of a contact hitter, but I think he can also hit for power. In addition. You have guys like the older guys, uh, Kyle Seeger, who is just, at this point, you know, if I can't get anything for him, I'll just let him ride out his career until he either decides to retire or he gets injured, which either of those things I would welcome to happen in the next couple of years. Obviously, you hope it's not a serious injury, but I would welcome him somehow making a decision about his career fairly soon because he is blocking some of those guys like uh, Israel Avila um, and, and, you know, even maybe Manny Sanchez in the, in the lineup, you know, he's, 
He's some guy that I would have to rest a couple of days. But um, other, you know, Manny Sanchez, too, is some guy that I came uh, to the Yankees already having. And he was kind of the guy that I ideally wanted to build around because he was the only guy that I saw that had respectable power numbers. So ideally, I would like to build around those few guys, Sanchez, Avila, and Brooks. Um, those would ideally be my three, four, and five. And then whatever comes after that is 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 fine with me. But I... I Acquired Shane Martirosian, who is a, a middle infielder, last offseason with the hopes of him being a bona fide leadoff hitter. And that has been, uh, to say the least, a very disappointing venture. He's only hitting 223 right now, um, doesn't you know, in 400 at bats, so it's a pretty full season. Just haven't been seeing what I expected. And one of my uh, owner's goals was to acquire uh, a second baseman or a middle infielder that's as close to a superstar caliber or all-star caliber as you can find. And apparently that wasn't enough for him. And I can see very well that with his, even though it's a, he has a 1.7 war, it's not much to, he's not much to look at for sure. So I would say going forward, my mindset is to acquire, um, without revealing too much, I would say my mindset is to acquire more control while hitting. Um, we do have the pieces in place like Steve Wilson, like a, a Manny Sanchez, Israel Avila, um, and those guys in a couple of years, I think would be the starters on my lineup. So if we're talking about 2022, I'm seeing Israel, I'm seeing Avila, Sanchez and, and Wilson ideally in that lineup on opening day. As far as pitching goes, I would say, um, I would hope that a guy like Rod Vanders, who's currently in my double A, he makes the roster as maybe a long relief man or maybe a three or four rotation starter. And at this point, we're looking to acquire, um, you know, a two or three kind of guy next draft. See if we can find him. But as of now, we project Ron Lowe to be our ace, um, and that's that's really the hope. Um, but other than that, uh, that's kind of my outlook for the next couple of years. Sounds good. I curious on Ron Lowe. What a guy like that. What's his? Was he a first round pick uh, or? Um, how did you? Did was he acquired through trade or? So he was, uh, he was a first round pick, um, in, he was in 2019. So that was the first draft that I had, um, to undertake. And it was kind of very intimidating to say the least having a second overall pick, um, in your first year as a GM. And granted I have played, um, the last couple of years of out of the park baseball, but once I got into this league, everything that I knew I threw out the window because it's, it's, this online league is nothing like what I play um, in single player. Yeah. And, um, you know, going not going strictly off of the, the draft board, I think I was projected to pick him at that time. But I knew that I wanted that guy because I knew that with no playoff contender um, isn't fit without its bona fide ace um, in my mind. And I think to have that guy that you know that you can rely on in a game seven or even like a critical game two or three if you're down, to know that you're going to get a solid seven innings out of him and not have to not have to work the bullpen is something that I I I would rather have on my team rather than a bullpen that you know you, you like a you see the the Tampa Bay Rays last year before they implemented the three batter minimum rule they used a, a a handful of pitchers a game and that's not something that I see myself doing because I would rather you know minimize that potential risk of injury and potential of having to use the full bullpen. Whereas, you know, having a guy that can go seven innings and then seven, eight, nine, I have a two, you know, one or two pitchers. That's my idea for, for this Yankees team. And then I let the offense do its work. Great. Now, this was the first I've ever noticed I have looking at Ron Lowe's profile. 
First, I never noticed a guy with a six-pitch uh, mix. He's got six different pitches, huh? Yeah. So, I mean, that was one of those things that we looked at, too. I, I First and foremost, when I'm looking at a guy, I'll look at his pitch mix. I'll look at, really, what does he have in that arsenal? And then I'll look at, you know, how he throws those pitches. So, how is his movement? How You know, can he control those pitches? If, he has, if a guy has six pitches and he really can't control them, there's no reason for me to – there's really no reason for me to pick him up because – I don't care if you have six pitches or 12 pitches. If you can't put them in the strike zone, you can't pitch in this league. So to have a guy with that man, that with that with that arsenal and his ability to throw the ball, and he can also throw it. Uh, I think he can hit about 90s, you know, upper 90s too. That's not a guy that I want to pass over. So I'm I'm really mm-hmm. glad that we picked him up, and I can't wait to see what he uh, turns into. Very cool. Um, we're gonna take a for the teams that aren't represented. We'll. Uh, I want to take a quick little thumbnail sketch of them, and I know um, if if any of you have any kind of perspective, of course, playing them in the division uh, this year or in previous years. But in Tampa, uh, the fourth-place team, uh, as I do a quick scan, I mean, they do seem to have a pretty stable starting rotation, although uh, a guy like Jose Quintana has been a standout for them. Um, but besides that, the pitching staff – while it's been stable, has not been particularly good in terms of their numbers. Um, if you look at their their lineup, they've got uh, a few standouts, guys like first baseman Jim O'Rourke, um, uh, Kess Carter is having a decent year. Um, again, a little bit like the Yankee squad, though, uh, even the guys who are, I mean, it's kind of that juxtaposition, right, of you know power, numbers versus batting average and on-base percentage. I mean, generally, on-base percentage is a pretty important thing. And as I look at some of the on-base percentages for the Tampa team, they aren't uh, they aren't really where you would like them to be for some of your best uh, players. Um, they do not have a hitter above two uh, in the war, Jim O'Rourke being the closest at a 1.93. So, Seems like they're kind of a you know, 52 and 58. That's actually, that's a day or two old, that record. But um, So it seems like a team kind of just floating around 500 or a little bit below, and uh, I imagine uh, they'll be looking to do a lot of the same things that you talked about as well, uh, Tom. So any any perspective that anyone want to share on, on that organization? Or... Well, I think they've been, they've been good more lately. I think they had a tough start um uh, but i mean you, you look at the last 10 they've, they've done well in the last 10 but i think over the last uh, i don't know how long exactly but they've definitely come on and i think you know without that that rough start i'd have been fourth in in the division uh-huh. given how they're playing now and that may very well end up fourth i think um i mean you, you mentioned their pitches i'm just sort of looking at their 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 pitching stuff now and uh i mean i have some you know like key performance indicators i try not to get swamped with numbers so i have particular stats that i i like to use and i wouldn't mind trading some of my pictures for theirs particularly <laughs> when I do, well, as far as my kpis are concerned um yeah it's probably a bit more of a struggle offensively um for them yeah. but then again they've still got i think about the same amount of pictures that have got a, a wrc plus greater than 100 which is about the same as, as my lot as well so i wouldn't be surprised if ourselves and the rays were very close to one another by season's end um 
Yeah. So yeah, I think uh, a bit of uh, a bit of oomph into the offense, and uh, they're a different team. Yeah. yeah. I think I think makes a bit like the real life race where he's got to he's got to develop to his farm because he doesn't have the budget. Um, and it's basically getting more of the ducks in line at once. But like in 2008, when the actual Rays went to the World Series, they had all them players who were on basically minimum or very little money. Um, and then it's time that they all move on and he's going to rebuild through the farm again. So he, he's, it's, it's like a timing. He's just going to get his timing right. He's, he could get a, quite a few good players, young players coming through who are, who are very affordable, who could um, give them a good run. Um, but then he won't be able to afford them when it comes to free agency, and then he's just got to reset and start again. Yeah. Alright. Yeah, I mean, it, that talking about that race team, and the, the pitching is just what, what stands out the most. Uh, I mean, you know, we, we my team looked at uh, James Paxton when we were looking at um, starters that could potentially be in our front end, and we looked at, we ultimately settled on Danny Holton, but we looked at guys like Paxton who, you know, uh, the, he can he can go long he can go uh, deep into games and that's a guy that again like I said that I really wanted but on the offensive side yeah there's not really much to, to look at and and like Craig said it's it's like those those real life rays where the their pitching is just so good but you know sometimes their offense doesn't you know it doesn't produce and I think when that does when the rays do get a bat that that you know can can produce i think that the i think the ales will become that much harder and that's kind of a worry for teams like me whereas it, it, you know uh, teams like the boston the boston red sox the orioles and and the rays are going to get better the blue jays are already really good you know that it it it, it makes it, it forces me to have to you know uh, um, think about every move that I make because all these teams are already so good. Um, so I think, yeah, the Rays are, are really one or two bats away from being a, a really good team and definitely making the AL East a lot harder. It looks like a number of those bats are kind of in the 24 to 26 year old range. So I imagine a lot will depend upon uh, if those guys make kind of the next uh, jump up, even a guy like O'Rourke who we mentioned is only 25. So um so before getting to the um, the big battle at the top of the division there with the Boston and the, the Blue Jays, we have, uh, of course, we have uh, your Orioles, uh, Craig. And uh, I, I won't say too much because you're here with us, but um, it looks like maybe you're having some injuries right now on the pitching staff because on the active roster, what I'm looking at, it uh, looks like there's some missing starts somewhere along the line. Right. Um, so I'm sure you can talk a little bit about that. Um, on the uh, offensive side, you know, I mean, obviously you have some standouts and a guy like Christian Walker, Andrew McCutcheon having looks like a pretty, very, very good year, actually. Um, Trey Turner, another very solid performer. And then Ozzy Albus um, is a guy uh, who obviously gives teams a lot of trouble on the bases and also has that 340 OBP. So, uh, you know, definitely a, a lot of a lot of talented ball players there to to build upon. Yeah. So, so the pitching. I mean, I at the start of the season, I stupidly, stupidly tried to go with a four man rotation and found out that that was never going to work. But I'm sort of going four and a half man, um, partly because of the injuries. Um, 
so you know there are gaps there so i you know i'm looking at my team now you know five man rotation but there's a there's one of the spots missing and that is sort of how i go along day to day um so you know that is a a, a problem sort of at the moment um with with those injuries um Without those injuries and the start of the season, it was my pitching that was that was good, and it was the offense that was bad, and things have flipped a little bit. But they they flipped before the injuries came in, and and that has has made things worse. Um, I'm just looking at, at you know some of the players that I've got going through, and something that Paul said as well about with the Rays trying to get young players get those ducks lined up is an interesting comment because with my team with having all the players that um are expensive and you know some of them are still going to be around for a little while you've got this thing about you know new guys coming through you can only sort of drip feed them into the lineup um whereas sometimes you, it would be nice to have a bit more of a, a clean slate where you can say right well okay well here's this group of guys that are all sort of coming up together and sort of live or die by by that set of, of players, but I don't think that's going to be um, particularly possible on on the pitching side. Um, with my hitters, yeah, like you said, there's some names there that have uh, that done well. I mean, we had for the All Star, we had McCutcheon, Turner, Walker, all starting in the All Star game, which was obviously great. Um, someone like Turner. This is his first year. He was one of those early signings, which was just for cover. And he doesn't have the ratings, but he's definitely got the stats. It's it's a, it's a difficult one to know how because he just does the business. But you look at him in, for his ratings and he should be, he shouldn't even be, he shouldn't even be out there. Um, some, I have this thing, I digress slightly. I have this thing about how do you pick your, your lineups? And I have to have a system. I, I have to have something to work to. And I was finding earlier in the season, I was trying things. I was putting players in based on their statistics. And I was trying players based on their ratings and couldn't really come up with anything that was satisfactory. And I've now settled on a system, which is predominantly ratings-based rather than statistics. So Trey Turner is a big outlier there. Because when I throw the numbers at a spreadsheet, it tells me, do not start Trey Turner. <laughs> and then I see that he's got the best average on the team, um, you know, and you can't not play him. So he carries on playing and, you know, he's still doing well. I wonder whether he'll, if it's a one season wonder though, um, which obviously, you know, time will tell. And then lower down, I mean, you mentioned somebody like Elvis, who, um, I mean, he is a guy that I've had lots of interest about from people wanting to do. Uh, trades on, uh, but I think he's he's going to be an Oriole for life. He's hitting this year. He started off really slowly, um, and he's improving. And you've, you've got this thing as well about if you've got somebody that isn't doing it on the on the field, do you stick with them? And you know, previously, if he had a, a stats line of whatever, if that is his his base thing. Is regression to the mean going to get you where you want to be with that player by season's end? So if they start slow, um, are they going to then come back and you're going to benefit from that? Because they're going back to their average, they're actually going to be playing better for you 
um, sort of later on, which is one of the reasons why I tend to go um, more so on the ratings, because there's another guy there, Luis Diaz, who last year hit, I can't remember off the top of my head how many home runs, but quite a lot, and he's only got about 10 this year, I think. And he's a similar player, he's a young guy, um, you know, he has promise, hasn't really done it this year, but I keep playing him because I want him to sort of get through it. And ultimately, you know, it doesn't matter really this year now the way it, that it's gone. Um, but, you know, those... So people like Diaz, like Alves, I think are going to be around for a while. There's a guy I picked up, Adrian Castano, who's looking pretty good. And then we've got a group of probably half a dozen guys who are about sort of 20, 21 uh, sort of age, which obviously aren't going to be there just yet. Um, if they could come through that little cohort together, clearly they're probably not all going to pan out. But looking at it optimistically, you know, there is a core that would just fit into the offense there. Um, but that's, again, that's a little bit further down the road. Um, so really, it's that's the core that I identify as being a successful group for the team. And, but until they've matured, it is you know, a little bit of drip feeding in who you can as the older players you know, fall off the, the other end. Yeah. Um, so it is a it's a long term long term yeah. thing, like we've already said. <laughs> I think I think uh, it's really one of the great things about the game, though, is that there are there are examples like a Trey Turner. I think that if if everything was always just kind of predicated upon ratings and the guys that had the best yeah. ratings had, the, I, I really love the fact that there is this story like a Trey Turner where you, know, you the ratings don't really bear out the performance on the field. I think that keeps things interesting and fresh for everybody in the league. Yeah, and it would be boring if it was all just based on, yeah, if the ratings just told you what they were going to do, it would be, uh, yeah, it would be dull. Um, so, yeah, I'm really happy that I've got a Trey Turner. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see how how his career progresses uh, after this, this good start that he's had. So we've got, uh, we've got really good timing going here. We're... Um about I usually like to keep the podcast to about an hour and we're at uh, about 55 minutes right now so we still have time however uh to talk about the top of the division and of course uh, we have Red Sox uh represented before we maybe um just to quickly touch upon the Blue Jays cuz right now the 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 race is hot and heavy at the very top there teams are are neck and neck um just a quick profile of the Blue Jays it seems like a lot of stability in the in the starting rotation. There are four different guys who all have more than 20 starts and more than 100 innings, and Bumgarner, Jose Amaya, uh, Adam Conley, and Marcus Stroman. So that seems like a, a rotation that's been uh, an anchor for, for him all year. And then uh, you kind of take a look down at some of the best offensive performers and I mean, gosh, uh, Vargas with 29 homers, Nick Williams with 23, Pompey with 25, and Michael Choice with 33. I mean, not that homers is not the end-all, be-all of a player, but it's a lot of uh, a lot of danger in the lineup as well. Yeah, um, I got that the other week. Um, I was playing 
I think he was in Toronto and I walked Choice and then Vargas homered. Uh, next time Choice come round, yeah, I walked him again and Vargas homered. And it's, I always find with the Blue James games, whenever I take a lead, they'll score right away or vice versa. It's that tight. Um, very, very strong offence. Um, and you've got Chris Sale on the injured list as well. Okay. And he can come back in. So the rotation is, is good. Um, yeah. And Jason's built this team up over a couple of years. And it's, yeah, it's, it's a good team, very good team. I, I find when I play them, um, on more than one occasion, like I told you earlier about the fact that I, you know, against the Red Sox and the Blue Jays, we're, we're pretty dire. And I find that you sort of stay with them, stay with them, stay with them, six, seven, eight innings. And then the difference is that they just bring a guy in and say, well, there you go. If they haven't had a home run by, you know, inning seven or eight, you're just like, crikey, one's too soon. So, you know, you're, you're a run away from them. You're one run behind, you're trying, and then all of a sudden there's a three-run home run and end of game. And, and they absolutely kill you with that. I mean, I was playing, I was bringing pitches up from AAA with just, um, with like high movement to, to just try and stop the home runs. But of course, you know, they, they were rubbish in other areas, so they got destroyed as well in their own way. So it's just trying things that, to try and you know cut down the offense, but like you said, they've got the they've got the pitching as well. I did a quick. So, uh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was just saying no, that's yeah. So well, I, pitching as well as well as offense. Looking down, I, I I suspected this might be the case, and then I took a look. Um, and in the in all of the league, Toronto does lead the SSG league in team home runs. They have two hundred and three home runs on the year, which is eighteen more than Philadelphia who's next, uh, uh, in line. So, yeah, I mean, they're definitely, um, have that power element now. Um, go ahead. Sorry, go. Well, go ahead because I was going to go ahead and, uh, uh, sneak over to Boston next. So if you have something else, go ahead, man. Well, I was just going to say quickly, I mean, yeah, you're right about Toronto. I mean, their bats are just, I don't, I don't score anything off of them and, and they, they just take advantage of my horrible pitching. But that's what I was going to add to the Toronto being good, which is scary. Yeah. So let's uh, finish up. Of course, uh, not last but not least, the Red Sox are right neck and neck with the Blue Jays. And, um, of course, we have uh, them represented with us. So let's talk about their organization. Um, you know, one thing that stood out to me is uh, quite uh, – you know, with with Xander Bogarts having a good year, it's neat to see a guy like Devers who, you know, so often in the game you kind of don't see the game like coinciding with real life. Some of the guys who you, know, you take like a Michael Franco who's a beast in OOTP, but in real life he's kind of underachieved. Uh, Devers, of course, a, a top prospect who's achieved a great deal in Boston already and then kind of doing the same for you this year. Um, the seems like uh, the pitching staff, again, has been mostly um, stable. Matzik, Owens, and Mercedes all providing, uh, looks like, you know, starts for you throughout the year. They've, been, they've maintained a spot in the rotation, but then it's been uh, a little bit of a mix and match for the other two spots in the rotation. And just my... Um, my quick uh, dime store analysis uh, 
it, I, I wonder if you you know how those other two spots in your rotation pan out might uh, make the difference for uh, for the division title. Yeah, um, the rotation was actually we've got Barnes in there as well, but he's actually on a day to day injury at the moment, so he's ah, out okay. for another seven. Um, but it was Machek's actually had to come back into the rotation. I'd actually dropped him into the bullpen. I was that fed up with him. Um, I shouldn't have. It was one mistake. I did sign into an extension last year, um, and I had to bring him back into the rotation to cover for Barnes for the next start, basically. Um, but there's Barnes, Owens. Owens being lights out. Barnes has been very good this year. Um, and then the three spot was sort of Matchek before he you sort of demoted. Mercedes was there, um, and I've sort of brought Donny Reed and Al Wills in later on in the season, um, just really because I thought it just needed pepped up a bit. Um, the bullpen's been brilliant. I mean, I've, I've, I've talked to you before about use, the use of stoppers, um, mm. and that's what I employ instead of a, a closer. I've got three guys who are basically the stoppers. Um, the bullpen's been good this year. and um, I mean, I'm, I lead the league. I lead the American League in FIP. Um, the ERA for both starters and bullpens is high up there. Um, the pitching's really got us through this year because the batting hasn't been as good as last. I'm sort of like 30 points down in batting average. Um, I'm only hitting 245 this year. Um, and that's really one of the reasons why I brought Flores in or uh, traded for Flores was to try and get another bat in there to try and improve the offensive output. Because I found I was a bit like a, a National League team winning games 3-2 and 4-3. I had the pitching to keep them to two or three runs but I, I had the offence just to score three or four runs um, but I mean you're, you're right Bogart Moncada Devers um, they've all come well Greg, Al Greg Allen coming mid-season's done well he's sort of petering off a bit uh, and I brought a guy in um, second base who's took over from Gregorius uh, Steve Pratt and I've got him at lead off and he's started really well obviously it's a small sample size but um He's actually leading the team in stolen bases now, um, and he hasn't been in the he hasn't been in the team that long. Um, but I like to focus up the middle, the spine. I believe in any kind of sport if you've got a good spine um, of a team, um, that you've you, you know you've got a basis of a good team. So the likes of Swihart, Bogart, and even Jackie Bradley, even though he doesn't do much with his bat, his his glove is exceptional. Um, so yeah, that's. That's where I am with the Red Sox. Yeah, um, uh, I was taking a look. Um, it's interesting, uh, some of the alternate reality stuff that can go on too because a guy like uh, Mancata, who in, in real life, the the Red Sox, you know, he was a top prospect for them and they, they traded him away. I think it was in the sale deal but uh was, obviously yeah. in ootp universe uh this is a kind of interesting to see sometimes what could have been if the red sox keeping him and obviously he's a a linchpin player for you um all right well uh i've had a few, I've, I've had a few messages over the years about him <laughs> <laughs> yeah i can imagine so um well uh this was uh, really enjoyable guys um i really appreciated your time and going through all of uh all of this with you and some of the topics we touched upon, um, even, uh, in my mind, uh, 
couple other things came came up, but now I'm blanking on some of them. There was one topic I wanted to end with, and now I'm blanking. So we'll maybe I'll I'll think of it for for future broadcast. But um, any um, any parting words, shots, uh, words of wisdom uh, that you would want to share at all before we finish up the episode? Well, I think I got. Oh yeah, you go, go, go. You, you go on some. All right, I was just gonna say. Um, well, I, I was hoping that Paul would come onto this podcast, um, just because of our rivalry, uh, not only in the game but in real life. Um, so uh, I didn't really come up with anything to come back at him for the 2004 comment, but I would just like to acknowledge what is happening right now in the real life MLB, um, and. I would just like to let him know that I took my brooms out last night or the last time he played the Red Sox, and that's about it. <laughs> I think that at the moment, Tom, I've got a, a little message on top of my monitor, uh, and I think it, it sums up the, the Red Sox season this season. And what I expect is, expect the worst. Anything else is a bonus. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's... it's, it's it was it was it was a given that it was going to happen this weekend. Um, it's the Red Sox are in a bad situation, uh, and yeah, it's they've got no pitching. Um, it's only it's only up from and, here, man. That's that's the good thing about it. Well, yeah, exactly, and that's what I mean. I, I'm just expecting the worst this season. Anything else is a bonus. <laughs> yeah, that's the attitude. <laughs> well, in the OATP world of SSG, I, I just want the Red Sox and the Blue Jays just to go a little bit easier on me. <laughs> yeah, we me know too, they, me too. Yeah, exactly. We know. I mean, if there's restructuring time, you can bet your life it'll be me and you stuck with the Red Sox and the Blue Jays. That's <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> so, yeah, if you go, we know you're going to be one and two in the division. And, yeah, fight it out between yourselves as to who gets the wild card and who gets the win. But, you know, I'm playing close to 60% ball if it wasn't for you guys so you're really spoiling the party you know so you know have a heart will you no i ain't got a heart my wife says i ain't got well, a that's, heart well that's the way you have to be you have to be ruthless i appreciate that in, yeah, in, in yeah. sport love and life you have to be ruthless yeah i'll tell you what craig my favorite tipples of whiskey so when I see you in a couple of weeks, if you get us a couple right. of them, I might go easy on you. <laughs> oh, well, there we go. I found the answer. <laughs> uh, I'm not promising anything. <laughs> well, guys, great, great stuff. Uh, really appreciate your time uh, coming on and, and doing this. So we now have finished, uh, I guess, three of the divisions. So I uh, kind of was looking at the National League east next to stay uh in the east so uh, any of those guys who listen to the podcast uh and uh, if you'd uh, be interested in coming on for a future episode i'd like to maybe do another one later in the week or this this coming weekend so those guys in the national league east reach out or of course anyone in the league who uh, we haven't profiled yet i also do want to eventually do sort of a rebuilding episode where bring on a few GMs, uh, maybe Tom, you come back on with me and I'm certainly in that boat of uh, just kind of some different rebuilding uh, methods and, and thoughts that, that uh, different general managers are having and maybe some other focused episodes as well. Maybe the realignment, I'm sorry, the, uh, the expansion thing could be something we talk about. So uh, definitely looking forward to more episodes and covering the league and uh, it's really enjoyable and been great getting to know all the guys. So 
gentlemen, uh, I'm going to, uh, to finish things up. Thank you uh, for your time and thank you to everybody for listening. Have a good one.